National Weather Service has issued the following announcement. A strange mist has overtaken nearby communities. Stay indoors. Do not proceed into the fog. Reports of strange voices and figures are coming in. Barricade doors and windows. It is advised that you wear earplugs until further notice. Warning. Warning. Prepare yourself. The following are eyewitness accounts of horrifying things seen in the fog and mist. Keep the doors closed, sill off your windows. Try as you might, you can't keep the fog from getting inside. The Man in the Orchard From Camry Location Unknown This experience has been haunting me for quite a while. However, just typing this is making me feel a bit better. This took place when I was 13, which will have been two years ago as of writing this. It was around May, I think. It was a colder and wetter day, and after school let out, I was dreading the walk home. It was drizzling, and the roads were foggy. It looked like a scene from a zombie film, to be honest. The smell of wet cement was my only comfort. Don't ask, I'm weird. Anyway, I wrapped my jacket tighter around my shoulders. I stepped outside the school grounds, already shivering. The wind was picking up, causing leaves to skitter across the ground like animals fleeing for cover from a hunter. I looked up at the grim sky and I began my cold, lonely walk home. I have to walk through an orchard in order to stay away from the main roads, and I was often in my element there, surrounded by trees. But that day, I was a tad bit jumpy for no real reason. Mist was swirling at my feet as I walked, and I could not see barely three rows ahead of me. I let out a yawn as I hefted my backpack higher on my shoulders. Ugh, dang weather, I thought, irritated from the drizzling slowly becoming a downpour. I flipped up the hood of my gray jacket, then I picked up the pace, hating life at the moment. I suddenly stopped when I began to hear footsteps behind me. I turned around, thinking, ha <laughs> All those horror stories are finally getting to me, but I was wrong. It wasn't my funky imagination playing tricks on me again. Dimly, I saw a dark figure walking through the fog a few rows back in my direction. There's nothing creepy about that, I thought to myself with a small and nervous snicker. However, a cold shiver ran down my spine as I turned around and began to jog, feeling uneasy. I was a soccer player, so I could be fast if I needed to be. And my dark mindset was not helping the situation. I often found myself thinking about the worst that could happen in any situation. As I turned around once more to look back at the man, I noticed he was closer. Crap, I thought. Then suddenly... He burst into a full sprint. Dread hit me in the pit of my stomach. Sheer terror. Realizing what was happening was like a punch to the jaw. 
I barely heard him begin to run after me. I ran as fast as I could, quickly outpacing him at first. Even with a five-pound bag strapped to my back, I was putting distance between us. Though the man was fast as well. I let out a yelp as I glanced back and saw him now gaining on me. That glance had slowed me down, and I hated myself for my stupidity. The rain slapped me in the face, and my hood blew back as I tore out of the orchard and onto the street located next to mine. I slowed my sprint, breathing heavily. The man was now standing completely still at the edge of the orchard, not making a move to follow me. I screamed profanities at him, flipped him off even. Two things I'm not proud of to this day. I was trembling as I watched the figure disappear back into the orchard, then turned and walked down the street. I occasionally glanced behind me in fear that I was still being followed. I wasn't, thank God. Even so, I purposefully took the wrong turn a few times to further make sure that I was not being followed. I was now completely paranoid, mind grasping at what terrifying things could have happened to me had I not escaped. After around five minutes of walking in the pouring rain and the slashing wind, I finally decided I was safe and I stepped out onto my street. I was soaked head to toe, cold and still shaking from fear. I couldn't calm down for another hour and a half. For a while, I wasn't exactly sure what would have happened to me if I had never noticed that the man was there. I didn't like to think about it, but I soon had my answer. The following day, there was an Amber Alert issued. There was a girl that had gone to my school, a grade older than me, in fact, who went missing while walking home from school. She hadn't returned home since. My parents don't know about my close encounter with that man in the orchard, and now I don't think I could ever tell them. Because that girl was found a few days later, dumped in the same orchard that I had been walking through. She was luckily barely alive, but she was horrified beyond anything I'd ever seen. The event did not gain much notoriety, even in our really small town out of the country, but all I can think about is how I barely made it out of that orchard. A Haunting in San Antonio From Snow Deer Location Texas. I first went to that Chinese graveyard in 1980 at midnight. It was a dare, and I was a gullible teenager. My friend had brought an occult book and a strange looking candle. We entered at midnight. He lit his candle, said a few words, and a weird wind blew past. Then nothing. I wasn't really impressed. After a while, I began to explore with my cigarette lighter alone, looking at the graves. A thick fog had rolled in. That's weird, I thought, 
not really expecting such a mist. Then I said sarcastically to the grave, Oh, great spirit, if you exist, make your presence known. Moments passed, and there was silence. As I turned away from the grave, there was a sound, one that grew louder until I realized it was the sound of someone screaming. My friend Chad was white as a sheet, saying, We need to leave. We need to leave. We have to leave. I ran over to him and asked, What happened, man? Was that you screaming? He said to me, You either come with me now, or I'm leaving you here. He ran to his truck nearby, and I tried to keep up. I was looking at the ground as I ran, trying not to trip over any graves or markers. In the moist dirt, I saw my friend's footprints. I saw my own, even. But what I realized just then that hadn't been there before when we walked in were the hoofprints. As I made it to the side of the truck, I was staring at these strange prints, but Chad practically yanked me inside, all while saying, we're going to hell for this. I buckled myself in and looked over at him. He was a six foot two football player, and he was crying now. We peeled out of there in his truck, and I kept trying to get an answer out of him. He told me that he saw something back there, something with yellow eyes, black fur, and a single leg that looked like it belonged on a goat, not a person, though the rest of it looked more like a man. I stared at him, saying nothing more than, Okay. He threw both the book and now the unlit candle out the window as we continued to speed away. I thought to myself, what in the world is going on? I've never heard him talk like this. Twelve years later, on Halloween, my boyfriend and I were bored. We were hanging out and talking about the existence of ghosts and spirits. I told him about the old Chinese graveyard. Around the 1900s, Chinese immigrants lived around that area. They buried their own in a graveyard deep in the south side of San Antonio. Due to prejudice, many of the graves became desecrated. Chinese lanterns were destroyed, and cults began hanging out there doing religious sacrifices, ceremonies, and such. It wasn't uncommon for people to find human, well, remains. Legends spread of hauntings and strange sightings taking place there. I told my boyfriend, Mr. Non-Believer, that if he was so brave and skeptical, that we should go there, and deep down, I kind of wanted an answer for what I saw so many years ago. We parked a block away, and entered five minutes until midnight. We took our flashlights and split up. I was saddened to see that the graves were even more dilapidated than last time. There were graves of tiny infants with small fences surrounding them. But then I found bones, one of which I could tell was a jawbone, outside of one of the graves. That's creepy and gross, I said to myself, avoiding it and wondering why on earth it was there, 
telling myself that a heavy rain may have washed it up or something. It was then that I noticed a glimmering near a tree. I walked over to see the moist and slickened body of a massive black widow spider weaving a web on the nearby tree. I'd never seen one so big. It was about two inches wide and long. While a bit creeped out, it was very fascinating. When I heard the footstep behind me, I figured it was my boyfriend. I quickly pointed at the spider and said, Hun, take a load of that. It's weird, huh? I felt him playing with my hair. It kind of tickled me, so I said, stop it. Then I heard him whisper, Over there. Then he scratched my shoulder. I yelled playfully, Quit it, that kind of hurt. I spun around to shove him, but when I did, there was no one there. Dread set in, and I was beginning to panic. Hello? I called out. Honey? Are you there? Just stop it. This isn't funny. I looked down. A thick fog was beginning to envelop my ankles. I looked around the tree near me where the spider was. There was no one there. Then I heard voices. I was scanning around, but no one was there, though I could hear someone. Then at last I gazed in the direction where the voice had told me to. I saw my boyfriend there, 20 yards away. He was minding his own business. If that was where he had been, then who was behind me? Who spoke to me? Who scratched me? I ran over to him, and I said, My God, babe, I heard you talking to me, but when I turned around, you weren't there. I felt it. I felt something touch my hair and my shoulder. He looked at my back, and there were scratch marks on my shoulder. He said, We should definitely leave now. Mr. Nonbeliever was scared and practically running, jogging back to the car with his hand on my wrist. I could barely keep up. We sat in the car, our hearts pounding. He admitted to me, It felt evil there. Pure evil, he said. It was the scariest thing I'd ever felt. He continued, I heard voices. I saw these shadows. I don't think we should have ever come here. I smiled smugly and told him, See, there was something off about this place I told you. To this day, I cannot explain what I've seen or felt. Because of the multitude of untold stories and events, San Antonio has erected a razor wire fence with a lock around the graveyard. However, a friend of mine heard my story, and even against my protests, he went there. He found a way to enter behind the fence in the back, covered by three feet of high grass and weeds. Upon confessing to me that he had entered the graveyard, he raised his sleeve and showed me a scar that had four long streaks. What's that? I asked. Tell me that's a cat that scratched you. He answered, No, that's what happened to me when I tried to have a seance at midnight on Halloween at that graveyard. You were right, Snow. 
That place is cursed. What if it comes after me? His eyes were hollow, and he walked away from me after it was silent for a moment. I called him later to talk again, but there was no answer. To this day, I've never seen that friend again, and I don't know what became of him. I never went back to the old Chinese graveyard, and I never will. If you're reading this, please don't go there. It is a bad and dangerous place. Evil exists, and it exists there. I've seen it, felt it, and my friends have too. You've been warned. If anything happens to you there because you didn't listen, don't blame me. I warned you. This episode is sponsored by June's Journey. Do you believe in monsters? And given the chance, would you be brave enough to track one down on your own? In June's Journey, people are the true monsters, and you can live the story yourself rather than sitting back and listening to one. June's Journey is a hidden object game with a thrilling murder mystery set in the Roaring Twenties. You play as June on the hunt for your sister's murderer. Discover clues through exciting hidden object scenes with beautiful and atmospheric illustrations and music. Victory brings you closer to new plot points and suspenseful answers. When not hunting for clues, you can customize your own luxurious estate island with gardens, buildings, and decor. Or chat and play with or against other players too, in the Detective Club, where you could even put your skills to the test in the Detective League. June's journey is both relaxing and fun to play. With my busy schedule, I find it's the perfect game to pick up and play whenever I've got a free moment. It doesn't demand too much time, and it's pretty satisfying solving puzzles quickly and unlocking new clues. Can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. The Woods From Diamond Maker 128 Location Unknown It was a cold, rainy day, and as unusual as it may seem, it was my favorite kind of weather. My little brother had all of his friends over, so looking to avoid and escape his little pack of friends, I went to a nearby school that had woods in the back. Upon arrival, I saw a viscous fog engulfing the woods. Keep in mind that this was a very small forest, taking little under a minute to run through. Furthermore, the forest consisted of a small swamp, a small portion of paved forest, and a very dark, compressed area, as well as a large T-shaped field. This story takes place in the swamp and that paved forest. As I walked through the trees, instilled with curiosity of how weirdly dense the fog was, I saw something in the darker, more compressed portion of the forest. It seemed like the usual lowered branches from a tree, but after realizing how curved and lowered the branches were compared to the others, I came to realize that what I was looking at was a deer. Soon, dread and confusion hit me like a train as I noticed the height of the antlers behind the tree, easily six feet. My stomach dropped even before it saw me, 
slowly, like a child peering behind a tree in hide-and-seek. It looked at me, revealing a decaying face. It was missing an eye, and the other was pure black, half the skin gone to reveal bone. Its arms reached to its knees with dagger-like nails, holding a live squirrel in its claws. And worst of all, what appeared to be a grin soon showed itself with rows of reddish-brown, jagged teeth. Suddenly, it dropped the squirrel and began communicating in an almost feminine voice. Help me. It was pleading for help. I snapped out of my frozen state, and I began to bolt for the nearest home, which would be a state police officer's house, if I remembered correctly. The moment I turned, footsteps were booming behind me. I was almost caught in a pricker bush on the way there. I rudely intruded into their home through their front door, not having time to knock as I could hear the booming footsteps drawing closer. Once inside, the officer's wife saw me and asked what happened. I hadn't realized it yet, but in my hurry I had cut my face on a branch. I was beginning to tear up then. My arms were thrashed and cut all over from the pricker bush in my escape. Once I told her everything, she went pale, obviously hearing the booming footsteps outside for herself. Later, she told me not to worry about it. We went through her backyard in order to avoid the sight of the woods. She took me home where I was safe, and I prayed that the nightmare was over. But when the tapping on my window came later that night, I pretended I was sleeping, pretended that it wasn't happening. The next day at school was a rough one. The Footsteps in the Fog From Lady with a Hat 484 Location, the UK I was just on Google Maps on my phone when I decided to look for a certain place that had always had a strange hold over me. And just seeing the rough images on Google of the place sent that same sensation through me of being pulled towards it. I live in the UK, and this happened 15 years ago. I was a 17-year-old kid, goth pretty much, and I loved all things creepy. Horror flicks, frilly dresses, big boots, the lot. I became friends with a group of lads who were nothing like me in the way of style or music tastes, but what we did like was exploring. We would go walking around random places, even found some hidden beauties within the city of Nottingham. But all of this came to an end one night and only one place was on our minds. There was a church that was but a short walk away from where I grew up. Once we walked through the main roads, we get to the narrow walkthrough that is known as Strelly Village. It has a narrow path down one side and a road big enough for one lane with houses down one side. When I was a kid, my parents would take me to the pub there, which was halfway up the road which faced the houses opposite. 
We could see the horses in the field next to the pub. It was a great spot to relax. So I had the idea to explore what was further along this road past the pub with my new friends. It was a winter night, the sky was clear, and we set off walking along the road. We made it past the pub, soon finding ourselves in a very thick fog. We could not even see our hands in front of our faces, it was so bad. We decided to link arms and continued up the path to where the road split. To the left was the road to a bridge over the motorway, as we later found out on another exploration. But the ride would take us to Strelly Church. At first, we were fine. We set ourselves at the big doorway. We went about rolling our smokes and laughing, joking around, as we normally did. Suddenly, we began to hear footsteps. We froze and looked at one another in confusion. We had a streetlight that cut through enough of the fog for us to see that no one else had followed us there. One of the guys I was with, Dan, went off to see who was making the sound. He walked around the church but didn't see anything. We got up to join him, and as we came around the corner we heard something fall from above us, like a slate had fallen loose and crashed into the ground behind the church. We ran around the building, but we didn't see anything there. The ground was clear. We heard the footsteps once more, but this time they came from the front of the church. Freaking out, we all ran back around to find no one there, but I could feel eyes on me. I knew from that point on something wasn't right about this place. We heard more noise. We looked up at where it was coming from and that's when we finally saw it. There was a dark shadow of a man in robes on the roof of the church. As soon as we saw him, he jumped only to completely disappear before hitting the ground where we had just been standing. We ran, not stopping at any point until we were back at the main road. We were trying to figure out what we had seen, but that was where it really started to get strange, because no matter how much that place scared us that night, we kept going back, like it had some sort of hold over us, each time feeling like something was drawing energy from us. Each night was clear after that night, we could see distant lights from the city across the farm fields, and we never saw that fog again, and likewise we never saw the shadow man. But I still feel as though we were watched, not only by what we had seen that night, but also by the many houses as we walked up through the village, and by the graveyard across the church as we sat on the bench before the gate. I haven't been there in so many years, but still feel its pull when I drive past the road, leading up to the church, those eyes watching me as I go past. Whatever it is that has this hold on me, I'm afraid it may never let go. Werewolf of Macomb, Oklahoma From Ripred 3-3 Location Oklahoma, United States I live on a 180-acre lot in Midwest Oklahoma. 
I was 14 years old and lived on that farm my entire life at that point. On my property, we have a large pond in the middle of the wooded area. These woods are covered in thick undergrowth, with large oak trees that block most of the moonlight during the nighttime. I go out to that pond at night from time to time to do some fishing, but I always make sure to bring something for protection. On one particular night, it was very foggy, and my high-powered headlamp would only allow me to see about 10 meters in front of me. I was carrying the 22 with me when I headed down to the pond with my fishing pole, a bucket of frogs for bait in tow. I soon arrived at my usual spot, and I noticed it was very quiet, the most quiet I ever remembered that spot being. The usual croaking of the frogs and chirping of the crickets was gone. While this was very unusual, I ignored it as a sign and continued what I was doing. I fished for about an hour or so without any luck. When I was beginning to think that I should just go home, I started to hear some noises off to the thick part of the woods. Normally, this wouldn't bother me, but it was the only sound within the entire area I was in. I turned around, and what I saw will forever be framed in my mind. At first glance, I thought it was a wolf, big and black and staring at me through the leaves. I froze, but quickly went to instinct and drew the twenty-two, knowing it may be my only chance at protection. But then something happened that I still get shaken from when I think about it. The darn thing stood straight up, standing on two legs like it was some person, reaching what must have been double my height. It was only a couple of meters away from me, and it was probably about two and a half meters tall. Its eyes glowed like fire. I felt the weight of the 22 in my hands, but I did what my brother had always taught me to do. My brother had trained in the Marines. I fired right into the A-box of the creature. Maybe it was stupid, maybe not, but I believe firmly that doing that that night saved my life. There was no way I'd be outrunning something like that, and I couldn't fight it hand to hand, so to me, that was my only option. When the round hit it, it howled out in pain, fell back to all fours, then ran at an unimaginable speed out of my sights before I could even take another breath. I walked all the way back home in the dark, keeping my twenty-two raised and my head on a swivel until I could see the lights of my home. I made it back okay and was exhausted from the adrenaline when I closed the door to the house. This event definitely scared me, but it did not keep me from doing the things I love outdoors. So it was no wonder that I've seen it again. I was walking a trail in the most rural part of the woods with a Maverick 12 gauge with no plug in it. It was a very clear night, so I could see a substantial distance with my light. As I was walking, I could hear more steps than I was taking, but when I stopped, those steps would stop as well. Definitely fishy. Of course, I've heard of people encountering pumas like this, and I knew things like that roamed around this area, so realistically, I thought it was just that. 
I pumped up the 12 gauge and shouldered it. After a while, I came to a small clearing at the back of the property, but I could still hear those strange footfalls behind me. I whipped around immediately and saw yet again towering above me with those creepy eyes, eyes that felt like they looked straight through you, penetrating your soul. I raised up the 12 gauge, but this time it knew what I was doing, having learned its lesson last time. It took off at the same speed. I lowered the 12 gauge, and I decided that I needed to get back home. Though it seems to be afraid or cautious around me, I'm still quite wary of this creature. You see, in our region, there have been a couple of disappearances, and these people have not been found yet. And until we know what's happening, I'm going to continue to protect myself properly. If you go into the woods, especially at night, take in your surroundings, always keep an eye on your six, and if you have it, if you can, always bring protection. Well, it seems you've made it out of the fog okay. That's quite lucky for you, because there are some very dangerous and mysterious things in the mist. Things that obviously don't want to be seen. Maybe that means they're afraid to come out. But maybe that means they're just trying to be sneaky. Be careful out there and beware the fog. Good night. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to like, share, comment, and subscribe. If you want to support the show, you can send in your own story for possible narration at darknessprevails.org. Become a patron at patreon.com slash darknessprevails or shop my merchandise at teespring.com slash stores slash darknessprevails. Now, as usual, here are my five favorite early comments from the previous video about 10 strange creatures seen in Canada. Ruby Trujillo says, I'm back. Yay, I've been down to the dumps lately, but I'm back. Well, get out of the dumps, Ruby. It's stinky in there, and no one wants to be stanky. Jay Spade says, Moose has horns, large and scary. Probably don't exist. Skinwalker has horns, large and scary. Probably doesn't exist. Hmm. Well, when you put it that way, Jay Spades, maybe Moose and Skinwalkers are one and the same. Moose by day, Skinwalker by night. Creepy. Andrew DeHart says, Your videos give me inspiration to write some pretty thrashed songs. That sounds awesome. When you finish one, we definitely want to hear it. I love me some spooky-inspired art. Sumo says, Monsters in Canada be like, Oh, sorry, bud. Did I hurt you? Man, I wish the monsters down here were that nice. But no, they'll just rip your Uncle Jerry's leg right off and use it as a plunger, oddly enough. And Floral says, I'm from Canada. Thank you, Lord Darkness. You blessed me with the spooks once again. Well, thank you, Floral, for tuning in and for having a country with some awesome monsters. Stay safe up there with your syrup-smelling money. Well, that brings us to the end of this Darkness Prevails episode. But don't you worry. More scary stories are on the way quite soon, so stay tuned. Until next time... Here are the credits to my amazing patrons who continue to donate like awesome people. Remember, stay safe out there 
and stay creepy. Because this world is a strange one.